Hey, Tyler. Hey, Jay. How the heck are you? Uh, I am pretty good. Yeah. It has been a while. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know if you were going to go for it. We not. got into a uh, colloquial discussion, or Jay very innocently said, it's been a minute, and then I ranted for five minutes about yeah. how I do not like that it, phrase. It had no longer been a minute by the time Tyler had finished. No, it was, yeah. it was many minutes. I don't like the fluidity of the taking a word that has a very rigid understanding minute and and t- turning it into something that is very general. Yeah. I don't like yeah. that. It's we l- have a, we have perfectly perfectly flexible words that can handle that. It's that. literally the worst. That's the other one. It is. That's the uh, other one for it me. Is, yeah. Yeah. Potentially. Yeah. <laughs> the worst. <laughs> this is this is odd I was realizing as I was driving in today because th- really we should be saying hello again to the audience. You and I have seen each yes. other. Every week for oh, the last... All the time. Yeah. yeah it's been great. You're, yeah. It has been uh, a very long time. Yeah. For no good reason. None. Like that... The, there you go. Well, um, other than to say, let me stop because I, 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 this is going to be my PSA for a while, if for nobody mm-hmm. else than to myself. Uh, I had spiritual direction this fine morning and was even talking to my spiritual director about... I, I joked. Anyone who's not a pastor... Yeah. Has no idea what that means. So, it, what does that mean? It's it's sort of uh, I, the way I framed it. This is probably a bit naive, uh, but it, it, as counseling is to the mind, spiritual direction is to the soul and prayer life. Ooh. Uh, Ooh. So, like, it's like you're talking stuff out, but it's not like you know I feel depressed or anxious today. It's like what's God up to in the yeah. world around us and what's God doing I, to me. And I, I come to this uh, question as a semi-skeptic on spiritual direction. Oh. All things coaching. All things coach. Anyone who is a certified coach, I am dubious of you. Well, That is not to say that I think that you're a, f- a fraud, but I am coming with questions. First of all, I am a certified coach, so we'll get into that later. I am coming to you with questions. <laughs> spiritual. And again, this is, not, this is not to invalidate all the people, but I think it's one of those things that as I would say to someone who also has a calls themselves doctor, I would come with, and I encourage everyone, if someone has the title doctor, I would question that a little bit just to, because there are many people who have earned a doctorate and worked really hard for it and deserve it or, or the title doctor. And there are many people who have bought one yeah. um, by someone who just says, okay, you're a doctor yeah. or, or something like that. And same with Reverend, same with a, a lot of the titles that we have. So someone who says, well, I'm a certified coach. is like, who, who certified it? Yeah. Uh, I, Frosted Flakes? Well, okay. <laughs> like, there, there's a lot in there. Let me hop in. First of all, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. spiritual Sorry, direction. Tyler is rigoring to go. Yeah, you're right. You're, you're on the gun. Yeah, geez. Uh, spiritual direction and coaching, two very different disciplines, uh, I think. Absolutely. I think spiritual direction, particularly for pastors, is invaluable because 90% of what you I mean do. without value? Yeah, totally without value. It's a, yeah, it's invaluable? A, it's a wonder why I've been praying for, or paying for it. <laughs> uh, I, I happen to enjoy it if for no other reason than to take the prayer concern. You know, everybody is just lifting prayer concerns up at the pastors all week, which is great. It's what we should do. It's what we're a part of. We do pastoral care for tons and tons of people, and we carry all these, you know, care concerns with us all the time. If I do nothing else but go to spiritual direction and just dump all of that spiritual heaviness onto somebody else, it's worth it. Um, so what separates that from counseling? I think counseling is more, again, uh, uh, the mental mapping. Um, wait for it, wait for it, wait for it. I already opened mine. I feel I feel left out. Okay. That was good fizzy. 
Yeah. yeah, I think I think you know again it, you're talking about the difference between a mental mapping like I'm thinking about counseling in terms of psychology, uh, anxiety, depression, those kinds of things. Yeah. Th- this is the matters of the soul, which is not totally unrelated. Like there is a counseling mm-hmm. element to spiritual direction. There's a lot of great overlap yeah. in those things. Yeah. I so spiritual direction great. What got me there was us having not uploaded anything in a while. I said to my spiritual director today, jokingly, I was, I was like, I don't really think there's much going on in my life, you know, aside from the whole pandemic and election mm-hmm. and general global disease. I think the, the pandemic fatigue goes in two directions. One is people are just tired of it and have given up on it. I think the way I'm experiencing it more, I don't know if this is your your story or not, is I'm tired of it, but refusing to acknowledge that. Yes. And, yes. and just absolutely plowing through it, you know, like what? Well, and it's even, I think a little, for me, it's, it's acknowledgement. Absolutely. Um, but also um, just a, a lack of awareness on yourself. Like it's so unprecedented. So it's like, how am I supposed to feel about this? Yeah. Like, am I supposed to be exhausted or should I just suck it up? Because the hard thing is you look to social media for <laughs> examples of how other people are handling it. I try not to. forget that social media is the worst. Ex- I mean, even in safe places, even like other pastors' Instagrams or even like a pastor Facebook group, which we have, like things like that. And those are bad examples because no one goes to those places and be like, oh, I'm having a terrible day. Like, everyone's like, look at the flowers today. Oh, look, this is wonderful. Yeah. I ate some chocolate. Like, my dog is cute. Walks in the park. Like, all those things are Hallmark cards. And that's what we post on social media. So there's no there's no bearing for, for what, how one should, for emotional norm. No. Right. No, like, you know, that's a really good point. Because, like, you and I are finishing up finals for this class that we're in. And I have tremendous mm-hmm. frames of reference for how to cope with being in final season and not having done any of the work. Sorry to any teachers or professors that would be listening to this. But like I know what I know how I respond to that stress. I have no yeah. idea how I respond to pandemic stress. I don't think any of us do. Like it, it's just it's a whole new thing. It's a whole new Yeah. ball game. It's like you uh you've had apple pie before and you've had pumpkin pie before. And someone just gave you uh like key lime pie mm-hmm. and you've never had that before. It's like I have an idea what this should taste like. Or even, like, let's say someone gives you shepherd's pie. I was going to say. And you've never had, yeah. It's like, whoa, this is meat in pie? Yeah. I don't, maybe it's amazing or maybe it's the worst. And maybe it's what I'm going in prepared for is, like, maybe I like uh, a shepherd's pie, which is lamb and, like, potatoes and cheese and it's delicious. But if you're going in ready for apple pie, despite the fact that that's delicious, it's not what you're ready yeah, for. right. And we went into this pandemic thinking, yeah, this will take a month. And now seven and a half months later, we're still holding our emotional. I always, I keep reckoning it uh, or likening it to um, when you're in the airport and they start calling, they start loading the plane and everybody stands up. Yeah. Even if you're going to be there for 20 minutes, you all, and you stand up just holding your stuff and there's a delay. You don't sit back down. You just stand there holding your stuff because you don't want to miss your place in line as though they're going to give away your seat. Like there's no, there's no rationale for why we do that. In the same way that there's no rationale for why we all just acted like this is only going to last a month and we haven't adjusted. Like we haven't made any long term. We keep just saying like, 
well, it looks like it's going to end. And we know it's not going to end anytime soon. But we're like, well, I guess, I mean, once we get around Christmas, we'll be back. At, nope. No, well, nope. And that's everything. And that's that's the dark side of the fatigue. And I, I'd be curious yep. as to your opinion on this as a as a father of children, school age children. In my church, I might get whacked for saying this. In my church, there's a lot of teachers. And, and our school district, I think it was this week, just went back to five day a week. Yeah. And I grabbed one of the teachers and I said, what has changed from September to now? And the answer is nothing. No. Nothing has changed. No, no it, it, the, it's, a lot has changed. It has gotten worse. Right. Well, the numbers right. are worse. The data is worse. We have less of a treatment. Like there is not, there's no, there's nothing that positive that has changed other than people are tired of it. Right. Like that's, there, there's nothing uh, from a medical standpoint, they would say, "Oh, we've reached the point at which now it's okay to to resume our normal scheduled program." Yeah, yeah, it's messed up. It, it's we're we're treating the fatigue and not treating the virus, which is like yep. roughly akin to just trying to get somebody out of the hospital because they don't like hospital food, not because their cancer yeah. is. Chemo cured. makes me sick, and so I'm going to stop. Right, like that kind of thing. Which is, and I don't mean to belittle. There's all kinds of good reasons to stop chemotherapy, sure. and, and that's a. So I don't don't take that flippant statement that I just made as some kind of criticism of that. But it's that it's that level. There of like are good, without acknowledging there are good medical that, reasons to stop taking chemo, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. and smart doctors will tell you what those are. To just rip the bag off the thing because you're tired of it is probably not, probably not wise. Our last posted video, or our last posted episode. Yeah, I'm curious about September 16th. September 16th. That's been it's been a minute. And before that, it was August 26th, and even that was like we made such a big deal about how we I don't know how we missed these two or three weeks and was and so now it's been five weeks. It's been a while. And here's the ridiculous thing. We have they exist. two, potentially three yeah. episodes that just need some editing. Which I mean, it, that's not that's a that's a process. So that's it's more than just that. But we have stuff that could have been processed and recorded by some wonderful guests. And apologies to those guests. Uh, we'll get there. I'm not going to name them right now. You'll find out whoever gets posted next week. That's who. <laughs> so that stuff was recorded in August. <laughs> so. Things uh, to quote the NPR podcast. Things may have changed by the time you things, hear absolutely, yeah. So when you asked me if I had a question, here's what I was doing uh, while we were setting up. I was looking at. I am in the process of refinancing my mortgage, and I th- uh, the the original thought in my mind is, I've been saying the last week as we've been on this process. That's the most adult thing I can think to say. Wait, hang on. Apologies to all the millennials for that for that question. Right. Come on back, everybody. We aren't going to talk about <laughs> finance. Well, let me pull much. out my actuary table. And, <laughs> no, but, but that was going to be my question. So, like, there are notably not fun parts of being an adult, uh, like, you know, the paperwork that goes into refinancing a mortgage. and, and Yeah, most of it. Yeah. Tyler Domsky, to you I ask, what are the most fun parts of being an adult? What are, uh, what are the parts? I love this question. What are the parts of being in the, like not the f- refinancing the mortgage, but but like, what? Why is it awesome to be grown up? I think I've I, I, I as much as I, I I still my favorite age right now is forty, mm. uh, and pretty soon I think it'll be forty one in a couple weeks, um, which I need to remember at the end of the plug to to advertise my my birthday playlist again this year. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. but. Uh, yeah, so I've always, I've never lamented being old, the way that I lamented being young. 
Hmm. I really liked being young, but there's a lot of things that suck about being young that is that has nothing to do with you. And a lot of it is people don't listen to you right. when you're young, inappropriately so. Meaning that they act as though you have no wisdom or validity to your opinions, which is garbage. Right. Um, What's he know? He's state. just that's a kid. Not, yeah. 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 And that's stupid. Um, and there's a lot of dumb things that I thought when I was a kid, but there's a lot of dumb things that I think right now. So it's not that being younger or being older makes you smarter. It's just being older gives you the authority to say the dumb stuff that I believe right now is more important than the dumb stuff you believe. <laughs> yeah. And if you have, if you need an example for that, politics. Yeah. Um, everything right now that adults are talking about is super dumb. And all of our rationales, rationalizations for a lot of the reasons why we believe certain political things are super dumb. My favorite thing about being old is, is the memories and mm. the experience, like the stuff I've done. And it's not to say that young people don't like, I don't mean that as an ageist in reverse kind of thing where it's like, well, your life's not fulfilled until you've done this stuff. I've often said like, if I get, uh, I, I, I feel like I've hit middle age very clearly right in the face uh, a few years ago. And if I get double what I've already gotten, that's, that would be amazing. Oh man. Because what I, what, what has happened in my life in, in 40 years, and it hasn't been like unique to like, I haven't experienced the world in a way that that is unlike the normal person, but I've really enjoyed my life. I've had 40 great years. There's been a lot of crappy things in there, but the great stuff has always been better. And I love being old, like being able to be a dad, um, being able to, to have these conversations with my kids is so great, but also being able to be a dad who had little babies who, who needed help all the time was great. Uh, being able to be uh, a young married person with my best friend and have all these great experiences without any kids was great. Being able to uh, be in college and learning all these things before I was married was great like that. And being able to be a little kid who didn't have the responsibilities of worrying about their future and could just go out and play all day. Like that was great too. So I think having accrued all of these uh, memories and experiences is probably my favorite thing about being old is that my my mental scrapbook is a lot bigger and I lo- I'm a collector of things and that, that really resonates with me. And I think too, it's fun to have a good balance of, and I don't know, maybe I'm with you that every age I am is, is my favorite age thus far. But this is a sweet point in life to have a whole lot to look back at, but also to have a whole lot to look forward to. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like in a lot of ways, still at the very beginning of my career, still, man, Sarah and I were talking the other night about when we retire, getting a Winnebago like my grandparents did and just going wherever we want to. That sounds great. Um, so, like, there's there's a whole lot of stuff that's here, but that there's a whole lot of stuff coming too. It's, it's a nice little little fulcrum to sit on. Yeah. Well, I'm Jay, and I'm Tyler, and this is Roughing, Roughing the, the Pastor. So let's get right back into 
the because we've been gone so long, we figured that a good thing to do would be the theology of the reboot. Yes. Because I don't think we've done that. We haven't done that, right? It feels like something we would have done. If we've already done it, hooray. Yeah. You'll get a second this is, help to go. This is I the Andrew Garfield if we've already done it. Like, we're rebooting yeah, the only, reboot. If only we, yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, it, it just seems like something we would have done, and and that's why we're doing it. Yeah. So here's my my question, and I don't necessarily have to answer this right away. What do you think is the best reboot? I think best reboot... No, see, I, yeah, I know exactly what it is. You go first, because I think I... I think I've got oh, it. Oh my! Uh, best reboot. I mean, I probably want to say um, it's probably Batman Begins and and that whole the, because um, Batman is such a great character and it sunk to such lows. Yes. In the uh, the Joel Schumacher era with uh, the Clooney Batman and the Val Kilmer Batman. Um, Do you ever go and, back and watch just how bad those are? They, but they are bad in a way that's different because especially the Clooney one knows that it's bad. Yeah, and it's so it's camping on purpose. They're really uh, the the Michael Keaton ones are a mix of the actual like the best parts of the comic book and weird Tim Burton stuff, yep. uh, which I love both of those things. They're a very it's a super weird combination. It's like uh, when you put cranberry sauce on a on a turkey sandwich. Like it's a weird thing to do, but it it works. In that one very specific instance. Yeah. And then the Joel Schumacher ones are really taking a lot from the 1960s show, which is campy and stupid on purpose. Like, I really love that show, but it's campy and stupid. Um, and so it's trying to still be an action movie, but with all the cheeky, dumb... Like, it clearly he loved the the whimsical, stupid parts of the show and is trying to put that in a major blockbuster, which is really dumb. Uh and so, so I can, and I can forgive nothing, those. The, the, the toy companies, mm-hmm. the toy companies came along and started, I think, influencing the film to. Yeah, make I don't. More. I think that they are watchable. I, I think that they are watchable for how dumb they are. But they, they are not enjoyable as someone who loves this character and thinks that the character could be better. And for Batman begins to come in, which is the worst of those three. Um, in that, yep. it's. I mean, it, it's, it's. It's not bad. It's just they keep getting better. Well, they get the best, and then they the third one's still still good. Um, but it's to have someone who fully understands the character without going goth and stupid like they did with the Zack Snyder stuff, like that. Uh, and we've already talked about that stuff way too much. But uh, I think um, the those movies really hit the character and completely reset everything. And that's what a good reboot does, where it reimagines stuff. But it doesn't change. It, it kind of recaptures um, the original story and reorients everything, and and literally reboots it without having to reinvent. Um, and I think that that's it. Took it back to an interpretation of Batman at its essence. So Batman is very much Batman. Um, like he can't fly or do dumb things. That like it, it's not. It, it's not like Batman Beyond, which is a a different thing than a reboot. If you do, you know Batman Beyond. The cartoon. The cartoon. Yeah. Which, it, and that Bits was in an era in the late 90s when they started, kept, they took all the superheroes and set them like 100 years in the future. So there was like a, in the comics, there was a Spider-Man 2099 uh, and Batman Beyond was set like 50 years in the future. Like, so like, let's take the normal thing and, and it'll be like a younger generation, like a different guy takes on the mantle and, which is an interesting premise, but it's, that's a different kind of reboot because it's really taking the original story and planting it somewhere else. And Batman doesn't. Yeah. Batman Beyond doesn't do that. Batman Beyond really 
gets back to the heart of what Batman is and makes a really compelling story that's a good movie, not just a good comic book thing, which I think is great. I was going to go with Batman Begins as well. But I I have to say I am such a fan of reboots and not watching movies that a lot of the examples that come to mind, I've only seen the reboot, not the original. Um, so Ocean's Eleven. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, and that's a remake. So that's, I, I think, and to make it, I mean, it's a subtle distinction. I think a remake is something where you are, uh, it's like a theater production. It's like when your high school does Oklahoma. Um, that is a remake of Oklahoma. You're not trying to copy. You're just doing a different version of the show. And um, right. so I think remakes are more akin to like a theater production where it's a different cast. So if you saw Hamilton, not today because it's not on, but when Hamilton comes back out, it's not going to be any of the original cast, but it'll still be the same show. And no one expects it to be. But the, that's not the, a yeah, It's almost like a remake. And especially a, a show, like if they brought Cats back to Broadway, whenever they do Broadway revivals, those are not reboots so much as they are remakes because the, the same, it's the same show with the same words, uh, but just with a different kind of reimagined way it's, it's expressed, which uh, again, a, a reboot is kind of restarting the whole thing. On that note, I think too, another key way to find a good reboot is how close to the last iteration it comes out. Yeah. Because the other example in my head was The Incredible Hulk. Oh, yeah. With Edward Norton. Yeah. Which I, I was looking it up on IMDb while, while we were going. Was only five years after Ang Lee's, I think Hulk. his was just called Hulk. Hulk, yeah. Um, and then two years after that, you have uh, the the Ruffalo Hulk in right, Avengers. the Avengers. Yeah. Which is also kind of kind of a reboot, like kind of a little so- bit. soft reboot for the character. And that's the, uh, interesting to me because I think that one in particular, like the Hulk by himself, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like he's not a compelling character, right? He gets mad and he breaks stuff. But the reboot on his in particular put him into this Marvel Cinematic Universe. It put him into a bigger story. And I think that was what was missing out of that character was, no, no, this isn't just a guy with like anger issues. This is a piece of a much bigger puzzle that needs to be solved later. I still wish Edward Norton would have done the Avengers. Bruce, you know, Mark Ruffalo does a fine job, but. So we got the Batman trilogy, the Nolan Batman trilogy as kind of the pinnacle of the reboot, like how to do it best. Um, and I think if we put that alongside of the sequel trilogy for Star Wars, uh, I think that's an interesting comparison because it feels like a reboot in so many different ways. Like it really restarts um, Star Wars. So, it, I mean, restart Star Wars is rebooted in the sense of that. Um, and even the Star Trek movies, which are yeah. kind of this both and where it's a soft reboot and a hard reboot at the same time where you're resetting everything, but it's in a different it doesn't cancel out the previous stuff because it's that's um, Earth Prime. That's the Prime timeline, and then this is the second timeline. And you even get yeah. Leonard Nimoy in there to like. It's really they're having their cake and they're eating it too. Yep. And uh, and then J.J. Abrams does a similar thing with uh, with Force Awakens, where it has and many people have criticized it. I think it's actually just really good storytelling, where they hit the same beats as the first one. Uh, which also Return of the Jedi did the exact same thing where Return of the Jedi has a literal second Death Star just to blow it yeah. up again. Um, so I was fine with all of the and, and I think that they did it with interesting characters. Uh, the way they resolved that whole thing with the trilogy, I think that the, the third one from a storytelling standpoint is 
disappointing and rushed. Yeah. Uh, but it's still really good. Too much uh, action. Yeah. There's something about when a story is good enough to keep telling it and to tell it in a way that fits within your context that I think is really interesting and, and worth digging into. So that, that to get to the heart of, of this theology of the reboot, I think that there's something uh, there's something to the art of storytelling. And when a story is good enough that at its core, uh, it's worth continuing to revisit that story even in different ways for different generations. Well, that's another another example. And this isn't quite reboot, but I think it's, it's along the lines of when you have a good story on the hook, um, finding compelling ways to tell it. DC had did a really cool thing a little while ago, DC Comics, on the TV side. So like, DC movies of late have been miserable. The Arrowverse is a good solid C plus B minus level. The animated stuff is like A plus. Uh, the animated stuff is killing it. But the Arrow shows did a thing. Uh, they broke into the the comic book storyline Crisis on Infinite Earths, uh, which in the comic books is where DC really gets into the multiverse and there are different universes. What they did with it though that I thought was so compelling is in the show. They brought in actors from the movies, from the Christian Bale version of Batman. So they essentially said all these reboots that we've There's done. Christian ba- Wait, what? The Christian Bale. Christian Bale's not in it, but yeah, yeah. Uh, what's his name? Gary the guy Oden? that voiced uh, Batman. The oh, Kevin Conroy. Series. Yeah, yeah. Kevin Conroy's in it. In it yeah. Uh, Brendan Routh plays Superman, uh, along with Tom Welling. Like they bring in all oh, these. Yeah. Tom yeah. They bring it so like essentially what they did was said every time we rebooted, we weren't rebooting, we were setting you up on a new So all these different versions of Superman can exist together. Yeah. Right. And in fact they all connect in some way. And that that to me was compelling too, of like, yes, we know we only have one story, but look at all these different ways that we've told it Mm -hmm. and those are all related somehow. Which is really Um, kind of the heart of um Into the Spider Verse. Spider Man into the Spider Verse, which is such a great movie. It's incredible. I think uh, they're doing a second one, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in pandemic time, who knows when it'll come out in seven years. Yeah. <laughs> but it's on it's on the agenda at some point. Um, it's, it's on the docket. Well, and I mean, Superman is a great example of this because one of the things that we've said about Superman uh, in the past, which is not news to anybody, but Superman is a reboot of the mm-hmm. Jesus story. And this is this is common in storytelling to have a Christ figure. So like the Matrix is a reboot of the Cool Hand Luke is a reboot of or retelling of the Christ story. Anytime you have a hero who is willing to uh, lay down his life for others, uh, it's obvious that there's and it's more a little more than that, where it's kind of on the nose that like, obviously, this is this is Jesus. Yeah. And even the creators of Superman said, yeah. Of course, and they're and they're two Jewish guys, and they're like, yeah, but that, I mean, it's a great story. Uh, yeah. You have this alien who comes down, who takes on the identity of a human and hides his powers. He's a god among us to save people uh, who don't like him, and he's willing to to die for them. Um, that's that's pretty impressive. Uh, so there's something about even at the heart of so many of these stories that you have the story of the gospel kind of embedded in so many of these things. And most, most kind of classic paradigm folks have a, have a Christ like figure in them, which is really interesting. 
Well, I think that's that's a piece of it too. So I was even keeping track of, uh, so the comics, the 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 death of Superman arc, uh, is where it gets almost hilariously on the nose that it's the Christ story. Um, it's like like hilariously on the nose. They, even the cover of the episode or the issue where he died is modeled after um, a Michelangelo sculpture called La Pietà, which is yeah. Um, in the Vatican, it's it's and you've seen it before, whether you know it or not. It's Mary holding the body of of Christ after he's come down from the cross. So he's just like limping across her uh, her lap. Yeah. And so in in the cover of that, it's it's Superman laying across the lap of Lois Lane, and her holding him like yeah. he's Jesus and she's Mary. It's like it's so on the nose. It's just like here's your nose. What I find fascinating is how many times they've rebooted that storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, the comics did it. There was a novel right after the comics. There was one version of the cartoon. They made a cartoon with Anne Hesh as Lois Lane. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, then Superman, Batman versus Superman did it. Spoiler alert! Uh, into Justice League, that story arc spanned those two. In 2018, 2019, the animated group from DC did Death of Superman, and it's phenomenal. Oh, nice. uh, they they really nailed the story in that one, but we keep coming back to that story, and I think there's something to be said for that. Like uh, on a cynical kind of like practical level, I could say, well, it sells and they want to make money and you know more action figures, sure. But we could do that with a lot of stories, and there are a lot of stories that we keep coming back to, um, and I think that's interesting to pay attention to as a culture. Like what stories. Not just the Jesus story. I don't want this to be like, you know, totally evangelical. But like (laughs) there are a lot of stories that we keep coming back to no matter how hard we try to quit them. Yeah. We just keep revisiting. Before we get off the Jesus nature of it, I do think that there's something because Superman is so much a Christ figure. There's a point at which the Christ figure kind of needs to die. Yeah. um, Because that's the point of the Christ figure. Like the And it's not I don't say that in a mean like blood must be shit like it's not a wrath kind of thing but it's like the whole narrative of the gospel is someone who loves us enough that is willing to die for us and be resurrected i mean that that and that's part of both of those that so the superman my main criticism as i'm well documented on this show of saying superman is 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 a great character who is boring because nothing because he's stronger than everybody nobody can beat him and he's too good and a lot of a lot can be said about how the devil is more compelling ca- character than Jesus in terms of literature. That's why you get a lot of stories about the devil and not very many stories about Jesus because Jesus is really good and he's so powerful that nobody can stop him. Like he, and yeah. the devil is like really intriguing. Like, what's the story? Why is he this way? And oh, he used to be good and he's a fallen. Oh, he's not really bad. Like that. That's a more interesting story than a narrative like life of Christ thing. And on on a, on the on its face yeah. and so when you get to uh the humanity of of christ and the humanity of of superman that that superman the more interesting superman stories tell of his flaws and like mm-hmm. superman 2 is the best of those early superman movies with christopher reeves because it's superman giving up his responsibility it's basically the last temptation of christ if, if you haven't seen that movie i highly recommend that movie and the last temptation of Christ, which this is not spoiling it, this is just explaining it, is that that it it hooks on the on the premise that on the cross, 
Jesus doesn't want to die because uh, of his humanness, uh, because Jesus is human and, and God at the same time, but that his, like all of us, he doesn't want to die. And that God comes to him on the cross and says, guess what? You don't have to die. And, and everything's fine. And I, I appreciate it. Almost like Abraham, where it's like, you don't have to kill Isaac. I, yeah. I understand that you're doing it. And so Jesus comes off the cross and then lives a full life and gets married to Mary Magdalene and has children. And, and then in the midst of that, then he encounters um, realization that he kind of needed, that, that this was the temptation and this was what it was. And so Superman 2 is that story where uh, Superman says, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't. I just want to be a normal human and live a normal life. I don't want to have the responsibility of saving the entire planet all the time. And he has that option based on uh, Marlon Brando in Icicles and <laughs> says, hey, you can do this, but you, you'll get rid of all your power. And he gives it up. And then when he realizes that he kind of needed to be Superman, that anybody can be a normal guy, but he, the world needs Superman, then he takes it back and he saves Richard Pryor. And that starts the next. That's episode. Superman three. Superman <laughs> yeah. three is Richard Pratt. <laughs> I know. I was jumping. I jumped into the next story. But I think that's uh, something else you said in that that really makes it interesting. Like Superman is a boring character because he's all powerful and like too good. And uh, I think part of this too, when you're talking about story, is what area of the story you focus on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I'm I'm nerding out on Superman, which is such a shock for also, any listener. I, I, well, and 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 for that, just to follow up on that statement, I think that that's why so many people are not don't find Christ appealing. Because right. Christ is presented as this bland, where like the pushback to my my flippant comment about Superman is like, no, that's Superman is so much more than that. And the flippant yeah. comments of people were like, oh yeah, he's perfect. I bet that was really hard to die when you know you're going to come back to life. It's like, no, it's so much more than that. Like that, right. there is it's to oversimplify Superman is the same as oversimplifying Christ in that we when you're only noticing if this character is perfect, then they're no fun. It's it's a lot more. There's a lot more yeah. going on than that. It, it, yeah, and that's all true. I think it points to what you pay attention to in the story. So, like, the one of the best, if not the best, run of Superman comics is Superman Birthright by Sam. I can't remember his last name. I'll look it up. Um, but in the run, Superman, it's an origin story because there aren't enough of those. Um, but Superman, no one trusts him <laughs> because he's all powerful, mm-hmm. right? So, like, you, you, if you only focus on whether power is important or not, then yeah, Superman's boring. But if you realize that, like, oh my gosh, this guy would show up all powerful and could blow the world up in a heartbeat, and no one's letting him yeah. save them. Now again, you're into the compelling conversation around Christ, right? That like, yeah. all powerful, yes, no one trusts him. I- I've often said about this about. If Superman were real, he'd be probably a little more like, this is cynical, obviously, this view. Rather than saving everybody, if I killed Hitler, that saves six million people. And so rather than just trying to constantly not kill anybody, and I'm even saving evil people, it's probably a whole lot easier if I just kill the bad people. And then it becomes, well, then what? what is worth, who is worth killing? Like, okay, if I kill Hitler, I save 6 million people. If I kill Pol Pot, I save 100,000 people. If I kill Jack the Ripper, I save 8 people. If I kill, uh, I don't know, so, like, so like when is it okay? Is it one-to-one? If I, if I, say, if I kill this person, I save 2. Is that okay? Like, so, and to have this all-powerful being that's standing outside as judge – 
becomes really interesting and compelling. And so that's, I, I often thought, that's what Superman would be, but also that's the image that a lot of people have of God, is this cold, distant judge who yep. doesn't share the humanity and so is just viewing uh, what is acceptable based on some standard that's created by the judge alone. And yeah. I think that's where the humanity needs to be there, and that's why Jesus isn't that, and that's why Superman is a better character because he isn't just, he loves people. That's why he doesn't want to kill Hitler. He'll punch Hitler in the face all day, but he doesn't want yeah, to kill right. Hitler because he still loves humanity and it's not worth killing anybody, even Hitler, which is really interesting. A lot more yeah. so. And and I, I mean to dovetail with getting older helps me to realize that that it's actually more interesting to save people than to kill people. Right. Um and that takes more power. It's a, I mean there's this great scene in Schindler's List where uh they talk about what makes what's actual power, and Schindler is saying to the to the commandant to Ray Fine's character um, that it's more powerful to pardon someone than to kill them. And you can see he almost kind of gets it, but then he likes killing people instead, and so he pardons someone. But then as they're walking away, he shoots them. It's uh, it, which is powerful and horrible, and and gets at the the brokenness of humanity. Uh, but I think that my my desire, as long as as well as many people's desire. Uh, to have a dark character rather than a good character is that we don't find good as interesting or as believable as darkness because we're broken and we want people to, we want to excuse our own brokenness. So Batman is always going to be more compelling than Superman because Batman is flawed and on the edge and almost about to lose it all the time. Whereas like Superman is pretty controlled and, and always does the right thing. Yeah. Just like Jesus. Just like (laughs) Jesus. And I think that, I mean, to, to, put a bit of a bow on that part of the nature of this conversation is that what makes reboots especially the best ones and most of them are worth it is that usually these are stories that are worth re-examining and and re-exploring from different aspects and batman uh i mean because batman has been rebooted in so many times batman the tv show is fantastic for little kids i watch that with my kids batman the animated series is a great it's one of the best versions of batman and it's great for like 10 and up uh yep. batman the michael keaton thing which we haven't watched yet but i think we're gonna watch is is pretty great for like 12 and up batman begins is really great for like 17 and up probably i mean because you there's new i mean you could you could handle it before that but you won't get the nuance and stuff like it's great right. kind of it's an adult version of batman there is no reason to ever watch ben affleck as batman uh, but, the, but, but that would, so even the Ben Affleck, like, I think that those stories help us to explore different parts of it. And when we, uh, particularly the gospel, if you have been given a very simplistic understanding of the gospel, you aren't really getting the whole aspect of it. That's why the, the Bible is longer than three pages. Uh, it's longer than the nativity story or the Easter story that we have all of these books, all these letters that Paul wrote, it's kind of saying like, Jesus is so much more than this. And all of these, uh, the backstory of the Old Testament saying humanity and God's relationship is so much more than this. And God isn't just Dr. Manhattan and Jesus isn't just Superman, that it's something much bigger than that. Um, The other thing uh, to turn a corner is uh, rebooting our own stories. That's exactly what I was going to say. So you go, you go. Well, I think think about again, one of maybe the worst reboots and for compelling reasons was the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man mm-hmm. run. Um, it started with such promise. Uh, 
and never realized it. And I think what Sony should get a little bit of credit for, not a whole lot, but a little bit, was the ability to look at what they had and go, this isn't working. Let's start over. Um, before we get too far out ahead of our skis, before we run too far in this wrong direction, like this just isn't coming together the way we want it to. Let's let's cut bait. I, I think that it is the power of grace is any point along the way looking at life and going, you know what? <laughs> this isn't working the way I want it to. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not, I have not set this up well. This isn't the story I wanted to tell. It maybe had good intentions from the start, but whoo boy, box office returns are not good on my life story right now. Yep. The power of the Christian witness is to say, okay, start over. Maybe not completely. Like there are some things you can't get rid of. Like there are characters that are always going to be a part of the story and always going to be foundational to who you are, but to take it in a different direction takes a little more than a prayer mm-hmm. and a commitment to keep going. Well, and I think that the keep going is, is even the best aspect of it. Like it's start over, because that's, again, a reboot is not starting from scratch. You're right. starting with a story that you already know, but keep telling that story. Uh, and and a, a great example too would be that sometimes you need to start over because things aren't working. And sometimes you need to start over because of, or or you need to keep going past in, in directions that are different than what you want. A great yeah. example is um, uh, so Batman, The Dark Knight, Heath Ledger, amazing in it. He dies right at the end of that of the filming of that. The um, actor, the yeah, actor, yeah. yeah. They definitely had plans for him going forward. And if you put him in the Bane character for the third one, or even hit him as um, in the bit scene where um, the uh, the scarecrow is like the judge. Like clearly yeah. that should be the Joker. Like I think that there's a lot of stuff and the Joker's just not even referred to. So the I'm sure they would have used the Joker because it's one of the best characters. Like it's a great character anyway, but also that version of the character was so compelling. I'm sure he would have been featured in some way in the third one. And they delayed the third one for a while. And even afterwards, like Christopher Nolan said, I don't know if I'm going to make another one because I, I had a plan and it doesn't work now. Yeah. Um, and I'm glad he made another one because I really, I think Dark Knight Rises is great. It's not Dark Knight, but it's it's a great movie. Also, speaking of a Christ figure superhero, they yeah. all do it. But yeah, they absolutely. Yeah, he's really Christ in that one. <laughs> That's, in the way that uh, the Man of Steel is, what if Superman was Batman? Uh, yeah. Dark Knight Rises is, what if Batman was Superman? <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. Like the coming back from the dead, basically. Um, and and I think that, that that, to me, is there's so much in our lives. And this, again, kind of connects really well with the beginning of this, where we're talking about getting old. Uh, that for both of us, we, we both said the boring answer of, like, I've liked every part of my life. And there's been a lot of not great episodes in my life. There have been a lot of uh, bad box office returns in my life. And yet the story is still there and it's still worth telling. And and sometimes I have to tell it differently. Sometimes I have to reimagine what it is. Um, And the nice thing is I don't have to tell it by myself. Like you get let other people tell your story sometimes. Uh, I am glad that we have all the different versions of Batman, even the Zack Snyder ones, because it helps me to understand different aspects of it. And some of the bad versions, as I re- like some of the Zack Snyder stuff, I didn't realize how much I appreciated that Batman didn't kill people until Zack Snyder had Batman killing all, all kinds of people. It's like, well, this doesn't seem right. Um, 
But I thought work. I thought his Bruce Wayne was really good. I thought yeah. Ben Affleck as Bruce Wayne is is pretty good because it's like Bruce Wayne is the guy from Gang- Gone Girl. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like that. <laughs> I think that that's um, I and, and so there are times in our lives that maybe we're not telling the best version of our story, right. but then in retrospect you can look back and be like, well, I know from that to know that I'm not that person, and I don't want to be that person, and so when I tell my story, I shouldn't let myself be that person. I should, I should imagine it differently. I should be a little more whimsical or I should be a little more grounded or I should be a little more grace filled. I should be uh, a Superman who has more nuance kind of things like that. I shouldn't have Spider-Man get turned emo and dance in the middle of the street for no reason. I want to see a decision tree on that scene. Like who, I think they had. That's when they get to the point where they're like, "Let's see what we can get away with." I think that's when people have stayed at the party a little too long. Yeah, and uh, it's. Have you seen Gremlins two? No, Gremlins two is is one of the best movies ever made. (laughs) Have you seen Gremlins one? Yes. Okay, Gremlins one is pretty great, Uh, and it's way scary. It's too scary for a kids movie. It's one of the reasons why we have PG thirteen. Because you literally see a gremlin explode in a microwave, it's it's brutal, and and there's a lot. And a mom uh, is going. The mom from Back to the Future, uh, the the like mom of Lorraine Baines is like going after cutting up gremlins with a knife. It's it's brutal. Uh, he did not want to make the sequel. Joe Dante is the director of that movie. He didn't want to make a sequel. Uh, the studio said, okay, they tried to find somebody else to make it. They couldn't find anybody. And eventually, after a couple of years, they went back to Joe Dante. It's like seriously, we we want you to make a sequel. He's like. I don't really want to make the sequel. It's like, well, you can do whatever you want. It's like, okay, I'm just going to make another, I'm going to make a movie that makes fun of the first movie. <laughs> and it, it's the whole thing is bonkers. And it's, it's really is kind of like a satire of the first movie, but it's also really good. And uh, it's, it's pretty much a reboot of Gremlins, but just told from a very different perspective that both makes the first one better in some ways, but also points out kind of the things that are dumb about the first one. And also is saying to all of us, like, yeah, this is uh, sequels are kind of stupid. You know, don't you think this is stupid that we're doing a sequel? It's really great. There's a great Key and Peel sketch um, <laughs> where they are in the room. It's like in it's a bunch of studio executives trying to make pitches for what Gremlins 2 should be. And then this other guy comes in and he's he's like just this really fantastic character and he just says we're just gonna say things and and what and he just encourages people to just shout out whatever they're thinking and it's and he's like we're none of this is is permanent we're just gonna like we're just dreaming up stuff and every time somebody says something it's really stupid he's like that's perfect this is in the movie and it, everything that they say are actual things that are in the movie which are insane it's like a gremlin <laughs> that's a that's a girl gremlin oh okay how about a gremlin that's just made out of vegetables oh that sounds great how about a gremlin that's a spider he's like oh that's fantastic how about a gremlin that's like animated oh okay that's like uh it, it's it's a great sketch but you should see it after you've watched the movie and i do highly recommend gremlins 2 the new batch uh, but oh sorry that sidetrack was just to say sometimes we do need to it's worth having an almost satirical aspect of like looking at our lives and be like isn't this hilarious that i've been through yeah. all this stuff and to have some whimsy and not be too serious about yourself because when we have too many dark nights uh k-n-i-t-n-i-g-h-t yeah. but i guess it could go the other way uh, then we can get too self-important like it is important to have the whimsical stupid batman and so i appreciate like the 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 uh 
the Clooney version of Batman as much as I appreciate the Christian Bale because life needs both of those swings. And sometimes we need to make gremlins too, just to say, I can still make a good movie while also pointing out that this is kind of all dumb. And so we can still tell our story, but have enough self-awareness to say, yeah, it's kind of silly that, that some of this stuff seemed to be so important before, but it's really kind of silly. Yeah, absolutely. Tell your story. Tell it every, well. every bit of it. And, and again, let other people help you tell it. Yep. That's the beautiful thing is that even in movies and, and in any of these things, no one tells the story on their own. They all, they all have collaborators, whether it's comic books or movies or books or everyone shares in this. And being part of a community is helping other people to tell your story. And sometimes they'll tell it in a way that you thought, I never really knew that, but that's actually pretty great. And sometimes they'll tell it and be like, actually, I don't think that's true. So that's, that's not who Batman is. Uh, And it's so, and help other people tell their story, help, help people see themselves in, in good ways and uh, help them to grow. And I think that all of this speaks to the fact that, that God is still telling our story uh, that none of us, um, while we may know how it's going to end, we don't necessarily know what the journey is on the way there. And knowing the ending makes it safer like when you watch a horror movie and you know who's going to who's going to survive yeah it makes pretty much every superhero is that way you know that they're, they're all going to make it to the end alive uh for the most part and so it it makes the peril a little more tolerable um and so tell your story have other people tell your story tell other people their Absolutely. story reboot that stuff Okay, so I've been working on a Twitter question for a little while. You've had some time. I did, yeah, but that, I, in particular for this episode, I think it's fantastic. Uh, okay. So first of all, if you're listening to this point at all, oh. if you're if you're hearing the sound of my voice, you've come back through the Roughing the Pastor reboot. I think you are a, at least a tier two fan. Yes. Right, yes. that you've stuck with us this far. This is effectively season two of Roughing the Pastor. Yeah, <laughs> easily, easily. Here's here's my Twitter question, which I believe will expose the tier one fans. I know for a fact that I, at many points along the course of this episode, have told stories or brought up ideas or used illustrations that I have already used in previous episodes, and I'm pretty sure Tyler has too. That's awesome. How... How many repeat stories can you find in this one episode alone? Mm. Stuff that we said today that we have already said before. I like closest. What was the closest answer? I will send you all the Halloween candy my kids don't want. Oh, that's a good prize. What was the hashtag that we had? It was really weird. We we had a hashtag for getting to the end. We should have a hashtag for getting to the end. Oh man, yeah, ride the tick cow or something like that. Ride the tick cow. Oh yeah. Oh man. (laughs) Not that hashtag. That was terrible. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) But that. I forgot about that for episode two. I think hashtag gremlins two, maybe. I yeah. Don't know. Yeah. Hash, hashtag gremlins. Hashtag the new batch. We'll do that because that's <laughs> that's the batch. subtitle. But the subtitle of gremlins two is the new batch. So hashtag yeah. the new batch if you've gotten this far. Um, and Welcome maybe even, to roughing the pastor, the new batch. Yeah, roughing the pastor to the new batch. Uh, yeah. And and let us <laughs> put a timestamp on it. Let us know when you got to this point and where you yeah. were. So yeah. time and location. Hashtag the new batch of when you heard this. 
Because some people, it's going to be like this week. Some people, it's going to be in like six months. Yeah. And that's pretty fantastic. And, and you're all precious. Yeah. Just, oh, yes. Yeah. Right. This is not a competition. We all know Rachel's going to win it anyway. <laughs> but <laughs> you're all very precious to us. Thank you for listening. Uh, so here's a here's a question um, that I would say. What has been, this is kind of unrelated, but just a general question I'd like to throw out to the Twitter folks. What has been the highlight of the quarantine so far? Ooh. An actual highlight, not like what is a positive thing that has come out of this last seven months? And it may be yes. related to it, like it, in the midst of these last seven months that happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's a, what is what is one for you? Because that's a, that's a missing point in this quarantine lockdown pandemic thing is life is still happening. Yes. Like e- e- even if you're locked down and in your house and not going outside very much, like life is still catching up with you. Yep. Uh, so it's it's a good thing to give credence to that. I think that's a good question too. Uh, do you have anything to plug? We've had a while. Any anything no. we should watch? Anything we should listen to or read or or ride or smell? Not yet. Uh, I I I may or may not. Uh, you, Tyler knows part of this from from our work together in this church planning class, but I may be working on some new music. Oh yeah yeah. Uh, Any so Halloween some... wishes for people? Because we also aren't gonna. We have some other episodes that are probably. This is our only Halloween ish episode. Yeah. Of freshness. Uh, be smart. I know. COVID, I I want to celebrate a standard Halloween more than the next guy. Be intelligent. Yeah. <laughs> Do it. Celebrate for sure. Celebrate smartly, because uh, because we need to be kind to each other out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I would say I would re- recommend a couple things. Uh, I've recommended this before, but uh, this has been on the TV in front of me the whole time I've been watching. I recommend slow TV, which mm. is uh, watching Norwegian uh, trains <laughs> go through the wilderness. <laughs> and I've had it right in front of me, so it felt like I was riding on a train the whole time we've been recording. Nice. Um, I would also recommend uh, several. I, I'm a big scary movie fan, uh, or like that type of thing. So I will recommend The Haunting of Bly House, which is on Netflix right now. It is fantastic. It's the yeah. sequel ish to The Haunting of Hill House, uh, which was a series that was released, I think, two years ago. Um, and it, it's sequel ish in that it's not connected at all, except it uses a lot of the same characters, almost like um, American Horror Story, which is a series that I have never really watched. But I know that they kind of have a, an ensemble cast that they they reboot every week, every year with a different story. Um, and this one is similar to that. So highly recommend it. I, I, am, I haven't yet finished it, but I'm almost there. I got two more episodes. The, you and I talked about it over text the HBO Now West Wing special. They're not yeah. calling it a reunion. Yeah. They're calling it special. It, it. I was surprised at how much I loved it, and I'm a big fan. But the the whole premise was they took an old episode and just restaged it with the cast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and part of me went into it going like, I've seen this before. Like this isn't going to be that. Literally moved to tears at a couple points. Nice. Just thinking about how relevant that episode is for where we are as a country now, and it was funny at points. So. Go watch the HBO West Wing special. And as a teaser, we we are going to have a West Wing episode coming up sometime as soon as I watch more than three episodes. Of you show. really got to get to work, man. <laughs> if only I had time. But how crazy, this is the last thing, how crazy is it that we thought we were going to have extra time in this quarantine? We've had anti-extra time. I read a book, I recommend this book as well, uh, by John Mark Comer uh, called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Mm. 
and I read it right before the pandemic. And one of the lines he repeats again and again in the book is, "You would not be less busy if you had more time. Mm-hmm. You would just Ooh, fill like that, that time." Like and this this quarantine pandemic has been an emphatic co-signing to that idea of mm-hmm. like, yeah, here's more time, take it. We've all filled it with more and more and more and more busy, busy stuff. So Absolutely. next person that says, "I wish there were more hours in a day," no, you don't. You're just kidding. Yeah. You're just kidding. Yeah, you'll just fill it with, with more stuff. Yeah. Anyway. On that note, I got to go fill my remaining hours with some more stuff. So I'm Jay. <laughs> I'm, and I'm Tyler. <laughs> and this has been Roughing the Pastor. the Pastor. See you all next week. We should be back to our normal schedule. So hopefully you'll see episodes every week now. Happy Halloween, everybody. Enjoy responsibly. Ooh. Ooh.